Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We want to head out to the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. And I've had this gentleman on for a long time. Great guest. Covered the NFL forever. He's the editor-in-chief of Fansided.com. Jason Cole, nice enough to join us the day before the NFL draft. Hey, Jason, i got to ask you right uh, from the get-go, how's the new gig uh, treating you so far? Oh, it's great. And especially now that the weather's gotten better in Chicago. I'm walking <laughs> along the lake uh, pretty much every night after work, having a nice little uh, nice little saunter there and uh, hoping it gets a little warmer. But uh, so far, so good. And Mount Rushmore, wouldn't it be just like Terrell Davis, Marcus Allen, Bill Walton, and Ted Williams? You know what? That That is really good. And what we did today, we didn't do it off of just guys – in high school, what we did uh, this week, uh, we were trying. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie would be close to. Yeah, Reggie would be, even though they took his Heisman Trophy away from him. But what we're doing is guys that either played and coached either at the college or pro level. Uh, but we're getting a lot of uh, uh, good uh, calls on that. And I got to tell you, for a guy that uh, didn't grow up in San Diego, that was a hell of an effort by you. Not bad, right off the top of my head. So yeah, I know I, I know my Sandy. Even though I'm a, a, an Angelino and coming grown up there, I know enough about San Diego sports. Oh, that's great. Hey, let me ask you: um, You covered the NFL for a long time. How do you look at the draft, and how do you try to attack it as a writer? Well, I think that there's this tendency to get really um, hyped about it right now, and imagine that that you're taking. Like all these stars are going to change the league. That's that's how the league sort of wants to present it. It's like Christmas in April for huh. NFL fans, but especially for all those people who are desperate to to see action again and you know win games and believe that their team is going to win a title. Right. So everybody thinks like, oh, I'm going to, they're going to take all these guys who change the team and they're going to draft you know five guys who come in and start and then two guys who are great backups. If that happens to your team, if your team drafts five guys who start for you, it usually means that your team is horrible. (laughs) Because guys generally just don't know how to play. Basically, if you're lucky enough to average two starters a year in the draft for a four- to five-year period, that's extraordinarily high. And that's extraordinarily successful, and that you actually keep those guys for an extended period of time. Like when the, they're four or five, you're done. You actually re-sign those guys. So the success rate is not nearly what the outside world believes. And so you hear from everybody, "Oh, this guy's terrible at the draft. He doesn't know how to pick players." Really? Have you compared him to what the rest of the league does? And do you really understand how hard it is to do this? So I think that we we have the wrong perspective on the draft from that point. At the same time, the draft is vital to making sure that your team can handle the salary cap, right? Like, cause you can't just build your team around older veteran players who you get in free agency. They're too expensive. So you have to have this pretty constant group of probably 30 to 35 players on your team who you developed on your own 
primarily through the draft or through, un, you know, you know, getting guys as college free free agents who are undrafted. Um, you know, some some of that kind of process, or guys who you plucked off other people's rosters, maybe off the practice squad or or who were cut. So you have to you have to be really good at this. And then those top fifteen to sixteen guys on your on your roster are guys that you may pick up in free agency somewhere along the line. So you have to really be good at the draft. I, but I believe that the the outside world believes that the draft is something that it's not. Well, let me ask you this. We're visiting with Jason Cole from uh, fansided.com. Can, can you believe what the draft has turned into nationally with uh, the NFL Network? Of course, ESPN's been doing it forever, and it's on radio. Are you surprised it's blown up this big over the years? No, because, it's the, I mean, look, the NFL does a great job of marketing. And I, look, I remember going – you know, when I first started, I went to the Combine, right? And I was probably one of, what, 15 or 20 writers who regularly went to the Combine. And we would all go there and we'd get so much news at the Combine and then so much news about the upcoming draft and the players who were there. And then that grew and the interest in players. It's the excitement of what's – it's like let's make a deal. Everybody <laughs> wants to know what's behind door number three, right? It's, yeah, you, you always have that anticipation, like – that something great is back there, right? Uh, it doesn't necessarily. Sometimes it's just a goat, um, but you you feel that anticipation. It's sort of the gambling nature of it. So everybody gets excited about what's the next great thing that's going to be coming down the line, and the NFL's done a great job of capitalizing on it. Um, this attracts a, it attracts a tremendous amount of interest. Especially in an off season where, look, we haven't played games in what two months, and people want to know what the games are going to look like now. Hey, Jason, I want to I want to ask you about a few teams while I got you on the line here. I want to start with Arizona because you know all of a sudden Josh Rosen uh, a year ago was one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. In fact, if he was coming out this year, he may be the number one quarterback in the draft. Mm-hmm. And you yep. know, I know they they got a new head coach. Steve Wilkes only made it uh, through uh, 16 games. They let him go. They bring in Cliff Kingsbury. They've talked about you know Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. And then you know we heard a story again. I don't know if it's fact or fiction and a big smoke screen whether or not they're going to take him number one overall. But could you talk a little bit about the organization because I've always looked at the Cardinals as being kind of dysfunctional. Well, they have been. They've gotten better here under Michael Bidwell. Um, who took over from his father. I mean, they were really dysfunctional under Bill Bidwell, um, who was the you know, son of Charlie Bidwell, the founder of the team. So, you know, they were really, really cheap. They didn't have a lot of respect for players. I think that that has changed. Um, that doesn't mean that things are perfect. I mean, they got better. You know, they had Arians there. They had made a Super Bowl under Wittenhunt. They've, I think, understood you want to keep players, you want to have consistency in your organization. But sometimes, look, you just make a bad hire. And they made a bad hire a year ago when Wilkes, um, who was not ready to be a head coach, um, looked, looked and sounded like a head coach, but didn't understand the operation of a team, right? And then you get another coach in there, and, boy, this they, you know, they took a, a really big swing here on a guy who, it looks like an offensive genius, but didn't win a lot of games at the college level when he had Pat Mahomes. So how is that going to play in your locker room? And I, I think that that 
that leads to this dysfunction, which, again, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a really smart guy, understands offense, and I understand why he would want his own quarterback um, in Kyler Murray, not a guy he necessarily – but a guy he knows certainly very, very well. I can see why he would want that. Um, but, boy, to, when when you fire a coach after one year and then trade away a quarterback that you took in the first round a year ago – Boy, that doesn't look, it doesn't look good. I mean, and I would say that general manager Steve Kime is under a tremendous amount of pressure to make this work, which may be the reason why they ultimately don't take Kyler Murray, like Kyler Murray tomorrow with the number one pick. Yeah, I think uh, you're, you're right on with that. I want to ask you about the 49ers a little bit. You know, I think uh, when John Lynch went in there as a general manager and Kyle Shanahan, that roster, and you talk about dysfunction, uh, they'd gone through a bunch of different coaches. Uh, you know, the roster wasn't very good. Each of the last two years, I'm seeing that roster definitely getting better. I know last year they had a host of injuries, namely uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. They lose their uh, one uh, running back, uh, their number one running back, a week or two before the start of the year. How important is this draft to, to Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan going into their third year? Well, you can't screw up the number two pick. I mean, like they had, you know, unfortunately, the, their first draft where they took Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster, that hasn't panned out. I mean, Solomon hasn't developed into the kind of player that he should be. Um, you know, and, and that disappoints me a lot, saying that as a Stanford grad. <laughs> um, and and Reuben Foster, you know, just had no level of self-control and has undermined his, his um, career. So, you know, that draft stands as an embarrassment. You have to completely turn that around um, to getting, you know, impact guys when you have high picks like this. So, you know, yeah, John Lynch... Now, I don't think he's under a tremendous amount of pressure because I believe there's a lot of faith in him and there's a lot of faith in, in Kyle Shanahan. But, yeah, you've you got to make these high picks work. Because these high picks, when you have a chance to get these kinds of picks, yeah, these are game-changing kind of players. These are the superstars that you talk about um, in the draft. You have to get these right. Because if you're good, you're not picking until the 20s most of the time. And when you're picking in the 20s, it's a lot harder to find those guys. You know, in any draft, and you know this, Coach, it's, you've got maybe eight, if you're lucky, 14 of what you would say are those blue-chip guys who are you, you know have the athletic ability to be superstars. Anybody else who makes that, if they're becoming a superstar, it's usually on work ethic and smarts, right? No question about you know, it. Yeah, this is this is an opportunity to get one of those blue chip guys like a Bosa or a Quinter Williams. It's got to happen. Hey, Jason, final uh, uh, question I have for you: The Miami Dolphins—they're drafted at number thirteen. Number one, can they get it right? Number uh, two, uh, what direction is that organization going? They—they they just don't seem to have a a definite direction the last several years. Well, I think that. You know, everybody's written it that they're doing this rebuild kind of thing, which I think is dangerous um, in football because football, it's not like the NBA where you can say we're going to cash it in for a year and then we'll get the top player and that one player can impact our team so much. You, in, in football, you occasionally can do that if there's a quarterback who's really worthy. So, 
you know, and, but again, you can't do any extent time. I mean, if, if, uh, you know, basically cashing it in for a year or two was a, a simple way to rebuild your football team. Wouldn't the Detroit Lions have done something when they had what three straight years, they got Stafford, Calvin Johnson and Dominic and Sue because yeah. they were so bad and they didn't turn those guys into anything. Right, like they never won a championship. Cleveland was terrible for for seven, eight, nine years, uh, and you know, and just turned it around because they got it right with Baker Mayfield. But all those great draft picks that they had turned out to be nothing, absolutely nothing. So they squandered pick after pick after pick. So um, tanking just doesn't work in football the same way. I think the Dolphins are in a tank mode, and I'm, I'm, you know. Again, if they get a quarterback somewhere along the line, either this year or next year, then they can change it. If you're tanking and you and you don't develop a winning attitude quickly, that tanking can last a long, long time because in in football is different than football or basketball. You don't get a chance to play every day. When you get only get a chance to play once a week. When you lose, you hang on to that feeling a lot huh. and you question everything around you and all of a sudden the people who are leading you and and you know coaching you because you have to think about that loss for an entire week all of a sudden you look at them and go i don't know that that person knows what they're doing and it undermines everything about your organization and the faith in your organization and that's why tanking doesn't work in football the way it does in some other sports. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you couldn't have put that any better. Uh, I could tell you went to Stanford the way you uh, uh, described that. <laughs> that. That was some good stuff right there. And, and people don't understand that. you know. And, and I'm not saying the Dolphins don't want to win, but I'm convinced, uh, Jason, in all pro sports, not every owner really wants to win. They want to win enough to keep people interested and, you know, buy the season tickets and come money. out. They want to make money. Yeah, and there there are a lot of them. They think winning creates the problems. And, well, it, it may because players and coaches are going to want to make uh, more money and, and guys are going to, you know, dig their heels in from time to time. But I'm convinced there's a high percentage of owners that, you know, uh, they want to win just enough to keep people interested. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the business of it. I mean, they've been trying to do that for a hundred years with the NFL. I mean, they started tinkering with the schedule in the twenties. So <laughs> just to make it so that everybody, everybody had a chance at the end of the season. So yeah, they've been thinking that way for a long, long time. Hey, uh, enjoy the draft. And, uh, as always, thanks so much for your time, Jason. And I'm glad that, uh, job there in Chicago is uh, working out great for you. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, Coach. There you go. The editor-in-chief of Fansided.com, and that was uh, on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. You can nominate SDCCU uh, Best Credit Union in the Union Tribune Reader's Poll daily at SDCCU.com slash nominate. San Diego County Credit Union. It's not big bank banking. It's better. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.